What is up, Mariners fans? I'm Seattle Sports Media's utility infielder, Andy Patton, and you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Mariners weren't able to complete a season sweep of the Detroit Tigers, falling 3-2 on Wednesday despite solo home runs from J.P. Crawford and Daniel Vogelbach. I'll recap the game in Segment 1, and then coming up in Segment 2, I will kick off the first Throwback Thursday in Locked On Mariners podcast history. I will be discussing the first Mariners game I ever went to, a September 7th, 2001 game against the Baltimore Orioles. Finally, we'll continue our daily tradition of celebrating birthdays for former and current Seattle Mariners. There are six birthdays, six birthdays to celebrate today. Stay tuned and find out who. The Mariners dropped an absolute heartbreaker to the Tigers on Wednesday night, 3-2. If you guys remember earlier in the season when the Mariners beat the Tigers twice on walk-offs, I think this was a little bit of redemption in that regard. Technically, the Tigers did not win on a walk-off, but there were a ton of missed opportunities, uh, chances where the Mariners could have pulled this thing off, and they just weren't quite able to get over the hump in order to do so. Uh, Marco Gonzalez didn't have it. I mean, he... He technically, I don't know, for those of you who play fantasy baseball, if you use quality starts, uh, he technically got what's called a quality start, but I don't think a lot of fans or Marco himself would necessarily call this outing quality. He did throw six innings. He did give up three earned runs or less. He gave up exactly three earned runs. He walked one, he struck out six, but he gave up 11 hits. And that's kind of just been the story with Marco lately, Uh, really his whole career, but particularly lately. He's not a big strikeout guy. Six strikeouts in six innings is, is above average for him. He's got a 6.87 strikeouts per nine on the year. Uh, so, you know, he, I mean, you, you, he doesn't have a lot of velocity. You know, he rely, relies a lot on his cutter and his changeup. Uh, doesn't have a huge spin rate on his fastball. So he's a guy who gets hit around a lot. He, he limits damage. He's got 2.25 walks per nine is good. Uh, his 0.89 home runs per nine is exceptional, especially – in this league with the juice balls and everything it's very impressive to have a home runs per nine under one but he just gets hit around a lot i mean 11 hits in six innings is not going to get it done and he he nearly escaped this game with much less damage he loaded the bases with nobody out in the second inning was able to get a strikeout was able to get a pop-up to first baseman dan vogelbach and then victor reyes then the unlikely hero for the tigers he hasn't really been having a great season but he managed to knock a, a two-run single and brought a couple guys in so Almost, almost able to pull that off for Marco, which would have led to a Mariners victory. That's not the only almost situation that happened in this game. Uh, the Mariners had bases loaded in the sixth inning. Dan Vogelbach struck out. Um, that would have, you know, had he been able to put the ball in play, game would have definitely gone a little bit differently. Seventh, seventh inning, Mariners had the tying run on second base. Malik Smith got picked off at first base on a back pick from rookie catcher Jake Rogers. Uh, Keon Brockton also got thrown out in this game at second base, and I think, I don't know, I don't know that this is the case for sure, but I think a lot of times you're like, oh, you know, it's a rookie catcher, we want to test him. I hope, sincerely hope, that the Mariners did their homework on Jake Rogers because he is a gold glove caliber catcher coming out of the minor leagues. He came over in the Justin Verlander trade, that's how the Tigers got him in the first place, and he was pegged as a, this is a defense first catcher. We're not sure if he's ever going to hit in the major leagues, and he didn't. He hasn't hit very well since he's come up. He's got a couple home runs, but he is a stud behind the plate. He's got a cannon arm, and if the Mariners didn't know that going into this game, they know now because you know they Broxton and Malik Smith are very fast, and it's really you you can't win a game by giving away giving away runners on the base pass, even against a team like the Tigers who are barreling towards potentially one of the worst seasons in Major League history. 
if you, you give up two, two runners on the base paths and strike out with the bases loaded, most games you're probably going to lose. Uh, Edwin Jackson, we've been talking about him. He had a good start, uh, five innings, uh, only gave up the two runs. Uh, yeah, it's been impressive to watch Edwin Jackson for the Tigers so far. He only had two starts for him, but they've both looked good. Like I said before, he, he had a few outings with Toronto earlier in the year, and he did not look good. So um, struck gold with him right now. He's pitching well. Like I said, the Mariners were a lot closer to scoring a lot more runs in this one, but they just weren't quite able to get over the hump. They had two solo home runs, one from J.P. Crawford, one from Dan Vogelbach. Those guys have obviously both uh, had solid seasons. Uh, Vogelbach has been an absolute monster. Uh, J.P. Crawford struggled a little bit. He's been playing better lately, but it was nice to see both those guys get on the board. Just wasn't enough. Needed to have runners on base. Vogelbach needed to time his home run a little bit differently. You know, he strikes out with the bases loaded, but it's a home run with nobody on. That just... That feels like a pretty classic Mariners story. So, so it's a bit of a bummer. Uh, it would have been nice to beat the Tigers seven times this year. They'll have to settle for hopefully six and one. They got them again tonight. They're going to have Spencer Turnbull on the mound for the Tigers and likely Tommy Malone on the mound for the Mariners. Uh, they're going to have an opener beforehand. Uh, Matt Whistler didn't throw today, so very good chance it will be him. It was him last time. Uh, so hopefully the Mariners can pull a win off in here and, and go six and one against the worst team in baseball. But yeah, it's just it was one of those frustrating games, you know, a mid-August game where you you had you had most things go right, but just not enough things, and and you can't you can't leave guys on the bases, you can't give away runners on the base path. So tough one, but they'll come back and have a good good chance to win tomorrow with Tommy Malone on the bump. Excuse me, today with Tommy Malone on the bump. Last thing to note before we move on to segment two, Felix Hernandez looked very solid in his rehab outing with the Everett Aquasocks against the Tri-City Dust Devils. He threw four innings. He only gave up one hit. He struck out eight. Obviously, he's playing against kids who have been out of college for less than two months, uh, a lot of young 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Uh, but still, it's great to see the King throw well. Uh, obviously, the main thing, the main reason this outing happened was just to see his health. You know, is he healthy? Uh, I would say striking out eight over four innings with only one hit, he's probably pretty healthy. Um, they don't have a pitch count on here. I'm not sure exactly how many pitches he threw, how many they wanted him to throw, but really good sign for him coming forward, going forward. Uh, hopefully opportunity for him to be back in the Mariners maybe by the end of the month. Um, I'm guessing they'll want him to have one more rehab start, probably uh, probably in AAA and Tacoma, get him up close here near the fans, keep him up here near the fans. Uh, if he does well in that start, I think there's a chance we could see him right, you know, the next time he can pitch after that. Um, I don't know if the Mariners are going to bring him into the bullpen or if they're going to put him in the rotation. You know, they're not playing for a whole lot right now, so I think it'd probably be in their best interest to have him come out into the rotation and, you know, bring some fans in. I know he's, you know, he's certainly not the pitcher he used to be, unfortunately, but a good opportunity for the fans to come out and see, see Felix two or three times before the end of the season. So, uh, kudos to Felix. Happy to see him throw well in this game and hoping we'll see him up in Seattle sometime soon. Coming up next, I'll talk about Cal Ripken Jr.'s final series at Safeco Field and my first professional baseball game, which took place in September of 2001. Plenty of birthdays to celebrate today, including two guys who are still playing, although not with the Mariners. Before we do that, though, Let's throw it back with our first Throwback Thursday segment in Lockdown Mariners podcast history. September 7th, 2001. That was the first Mariners game that I got to go to. I lived in Portland when I was growing up, and we didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to come out to Mariners games. Uh, I was 
just on the verge of turning 11 at that time. Uh, the Mariners had a hot young rookie named Ichiro Suzuki. They were the best team in baseball without a doubt. They were barreling towards a 116-win season, the most in baseball history. It was a really, really, really fun time to be a Mariners fan. For me, I'll never forget entering the stadium for the first time. I remember walking into towards our seat. We were in center field bleachers and my first opportunity to see the entire field. And it was, I mean, truly like a cathedral. I could not believe that this stadium, how it felt like an entire city just built around a baseball field. It still feels like that a little bit. For those of you who go to games frequently, it's pretty amazing. But I was, as a 10-year-old kid, it absolutely blew my mind. Uh, of course, I was obsessed with Ichiro. Uh, of course, I was obsessed with Mike Cameron, as most fans were at the t- that time. I loved Edgar Martinez. Uh, I loved John Olerud. I was a left-hander, so I loved Jamie Moyer. Um, this was one of the most fun teams in baseball history. I truly believe that, and certainly in Mariners history. And getting an opportunity to go to a game that year was was unbelievable. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I remember from that game. And I also have the box score in front of me. I have not looked at it yet. So my plan is to tell you a little bit about my memories from that game, things I saw, things I remember seeing that maybe my memory is a little fuzzy. It's been, it's been 18 years. So we'll see how accurate some of that stuff is. We're going to look through the box score a little bit, see some things that maybe I don't remember and talk about. Uh, it was, a, it was a, a big victory for the Mariners in one of the greatest seasons in baseball history. So I remember the final score was 10-1. to 1. It was 10-1 to 1 Mariners. I remember Mike Cameron hitting a home run because, like I said, I was a huge Mike Cameron fan, so that was a lot of fun for me. And I remember it was Cal Ripken Jr.'s last series at Safeco Field. I believe it was the first game of his final series at Safeco Field in Seattle. Uh, and it's become a lot more popular now with Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter uh, and in the NBA, obviously, Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki last year, they had these kind of uh, going-away tour type things. Their final season, you know, where they, they go somewhere and they get some trophy or some kind of award, uh, and, you know, wave and smile at the fans because they know it's the last time they're going to be there. I don't know that it was as in vogue back then as it is now, uh, but I do remember distinctly that the Mariners painted all of the bases with an orange number eight in honor of Cal Ripken. So for those people who think that this is a brand new thing, it's not. The Mariners honored Cal Ripken Jr. in his final series. Uh, That was also the year, I think it was the year, yeah, it was the same year that they had the All-Star Game in Seattle and Cal Ripken Jr. got pumped a, you know, 80-something mile an hour fastball from Chano Park that he hit over the fence uh, for a home run, kind of his his last hurrah as an All-Star. And that had happened in Seattle just, you know, barely two months, not even two months before then. So, um, kind of a lot of sentiment around Ripken in Seattle at that time. And I remember, you know, as a, as a 10-year-old kid, I was obsessed with baseball. And so I, I knew all about Cal Ripken. I knew that he'd broken the games played record. I knew, you know, it was impossible to be, you know, to be a, a kid in the 90s and 2000s and not know, you know, a whole bunch about Cal Ripken, obviously. So it was really cool to get to see that. Apparently he signed autographs for about 45 minutes. I missed that. Uh, I did get an autograph from Arthur Rhodes, which I still have today. Uh, that... I'll treasure that forever. That was awesome. Probably, in hindsight, would have gone after Ripken instead. But, you know, 10-year-old me was loved the left-handed pitcher. So got a chance to see Arthur Rhodes. He was uh, he was playing long toss with somebody. I want to say Armando Benitez, but I'm not sure if that's right. But I remember that they were throwing the ball probably 300 feet back and forth to each other. And the you know, 10-year-old me was just mesmerized by that. Uh, but anyway, 
Yeah, it was a 10 to 1 game. Mike Cameron hit a home run. Um, I'm pretty sure that Paul Abbott was on the mound for the Mariners. Uh, I remember that because I know it was a left handed pitcher, and I'm pretty sure I'd remember if it was Jamie Moyer. So I'm going with Paul Abbott. Um, those are the big things that I remember. You know, I don't remember how Edgar Martinez did. I don't remember. Obviously, the Mariners scored nine other runs in that game, so I'm not sure how those happened. But uh, I'm going to pull up the box score now and kind of see a little bit of a, a blast from the past. Let's see how, how this game went. So let's see. Looks First thing I see is there was 45,797 fans. Uh, haven't seen a crowd like that too often anymore at T-Mobile Park, unfortunately, although a uh, couple, you know, couple years when the rebuild's going, going along strong, hopefully hopefully we'll start seeing crowds crowds like that again. Uh, the Orioles only had two hits. Uh, they had one run on two hits. Uh, it looks like the uh, oh the the run was scored on a, a solo home run from Brian Roberts. Uh, he's playing shortstop. Man, this this for those of you who don't maybe don't remember Brian Roberts was a, a All Star second baseman for the Orioles for quite a while. I just pulled up his page here. Yeah, looks like he um, yeah he he was that was his rookie year so it was his first season in the big leagues he was playing shortstop for the baltimore orioles and he hit a home run in 2001 against the mariners who knew so that was one of two home runs he hit that year uh he went on to make two all-star games led the league in doubles twice led the league in steals once so pretty pretty solid career for brian roberts and got to see maybe his first career home run uh first or second career home run so 10 year old me did not see that come in at the time but that's that's cool uh, Ripken went 0 for 4. That's a bummer. Um, didn't strike out at all, at least I guess. But he, at the time of this game, he was only hitting 258. So yeah, he, as much as people remember that All Star game home run, Ripken really kind of kind of limped towards the finish line, unfortunately. Uh, best player on the team, it looks like, was either Jeff Conine or David Segui, um, former Mariner David Segui. He was hitting 301 at the time, although he went 0 for 2. The only other hit was Brady Anderson, who went 1 for 2 in the game. Um, for the Mariners, uh, Ichiro went three for five. Not surprising. Ichiro hit you know three fifty that year. Had a monstrous rookie season, as everybody knows. Um, Edgar went one for two with two walks. That seems about right. John Olerud went two for three with four runs scored, one RBI, and two walks. Um, another great game for him. Classic. Brett Boone hit a home run. Also not surprising. He hit thirty seven of them that year. This was number thirty four. Uh, one for three with three RBIs. Mike Cameron, two for four with the home run that I mentioned before. Uh, he had a couple other RBIs as well. David Bell went two for four with two RBIs. Man, this team was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> this, uh, Ichiro, Edgar, Olerud, Boone, Cameron. Uh, this game, Tom Lampkin started behind the plate, but I know Dan Wilson was their starting catcher. Mark McLemore, always one of my favorites. Uh, he went over four in this one, but he was starting at shortstop, so I think... Carlos Guillen was typically their shortstop, so he might have just been been getting a day off there. But yeah, yeah, this was this was a really fun game in a really fun season. Um, yeah, Paul Abbott started fifteen and three after this game. That my goodness, he had a four point one three ERA and he was fifteen and three. Pitcher wins are dumb. Uh, it's not the most valid way to evaluate a pitcher. I've always believed that and. I mean, eight innings, one earned run, four walks, four strikeouts. Clearly, he had a great game. He deserved to win. I'm not saying that he doesn't, but when you have 15 wins with a 4.13 ERA, and this year I think, you know, Spencer Turnbull, who's pitching for the Tigers tomorrow, he's 3-10 and 10 with an ERA that's under four. So, you know, it doesn't always – they don't always equal each other. It doesn't always add up. Obviously, Mariners fans are very familiar with this when Felix Hernandez it was very – 
controversial that he won the Cy Young Award when he did with a losing record, despite the fact that he was very clearly the best pitcher in the American League, but the Mariners just weren't winning games behind him. So anyway, there's a fun little blast from the past for y'all. September 7th, 2001, a heck of a game for the Mariners, heck of a season for the Mariners, a heck of a time in baseball. Um, a lot of stars for that is very fun to get to see Cal Ripken's last, uh, last first game of his last series. Um, Hoping for better times for the Mariners soon. I know that sometimes throwback Thursdays can be a little depressing with the state of the current franchise, but we'll get there. There, There's a lot of promise in the minor league system, and I'm really excited about what's coming with this team going forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're going to win 116 games anytime soon because that's pretty much impossible. But uh, I'm looking forward to the future when we have 45,000 people in the crowd again and are winning games 10 to 1. So we got six birthdays to celebrate today, five former players and one former coach who has a ton of local ties. We're going to get to that right after these messages. All right, y'all, today is August 15th, and we got five former Mariners players who are celebrating birthdays today. First one up is former Mariner Gerard Dyson, who is turning 35 today. Gerard Dyson spent most of his career with the Kansas City Royals, but he came over to Seattle in 2017 when he was 32 years old. Dyson, who's known as a speedster and a center fielder, he had 251 with five home runs and 28 stolen bases in his one, sit, excuse me, in his one season in Seattle. Uh, he was a fine free agent signing. You know, they were a team that was trying to contend. They wanted a, a guy who could hit at the top of the order and, and steal some bases and score some runs, and he, he more or less did that, I think. You know, he had a 324 on base percentage, which is a little lower than what you'd want out of a leadoff guy, but that's kind of, that had been him his entire career, you know, looking back, 328, 326, 324, 340, like, he wasn't really, he didn't draw a lot of walks, he still doesn't. Uh, I think they got pretty much what they would have expected out of him, um, and then he, he spent the last couple of years in Arizona, he's doing almost exactly the same statistics this year with, with the Diamondbacks, so... You know, pretty consistent career for him. Had one nice year in Seattle. We'll, we'll take it. Uh, so happy 35th birthday to Gerard Dyson. Next up is left-hander Oliver Perez. Oliver Perez is turning 38 today. He's still in the league. He's with the Cleveland Indians. He's actually having a very solid year. Uh, he's thrown 32 innings out of the bullpen with them. He's got a 2.81 ERA. Uh, he had a 1.39 ERA for the Indians last year, so they've gotten two very good se- good seasons out of him. Perez came up as a starting pitcher and was a starter for about nine years before he took an entire year off with an injury and came back with the Mariners in 2012. The Mariners were the first team to just commit to him being purely a reliever, a left-handed loogie, a left-handed one-out guy, and he was really successful at it. His first season in Seattle was in 2012. He threw 29.2 innings. He had a 2.12 ERA. He had a 24-10 strikeout-to-walk ratio. He was solid. He didn't throw a lot of innings, but he was he was solid. And then he came back in 2013 at age 31, and he threw a lot more innings. He threw 53 innings. Not quite as productive. He had a 3.74 ERA, but he had 74 strikeouts to 26 walks. That's very solid. He had a 12.6 Ks per nine. Uh, 4.4 walks per nine is, is not great, but still, you'll take a left-handed guy who can come in and strike out a whole bunch of guys. That's pretty solid. You'll take that. He's bounced around the league quite a bit since then before he landed in Cleveland over the last two years, but uh, it's always fun to see guys reinvent themselves. You know, there's so many starting pitchers who, especially when they get toward the end of the line, you know, they're guys who who spent the majority of their career as, 
as kind of four or five back-end rotation starters, and they convert into bullpen pieces and become really good. You know, Ian Kennedy is a guy. He's the Royals' closer this year. He's been really, really good. Bud Norris, just a few years ago, he did it. Uh, I think there's a lot of guys who teams want them to be starters because inherently having a good starter is more valuable than having a good reliever. But at some point, you got to cut the cord and turn guys into relievers. And, and the Mariners made the right decision when they signed Oliver Perez and turned him into a reliever. And it's still paying dividends for teams now. You know, he's when he was 28 years old and coming off a 6.80 ERA season with the New York Mets, I think there's a lot of uh, people who thought his career might be over. And he's played eight more years since then. So good, so good on him. Good for you, Oliver Perez. Uh, enjoy your 38th birthday. Next up is a name that only the true, true degenerate Mariners fans are going to remember. His name is Aaron Sheffer. He's turning 44 today. Aaron Sheffer played in four games for the 1999 Seattle Mariners. He was a reliever. He threw 4.2 thirds innings. He only gave up one earned run, although he gave up five actual runs. So he had uh, some some defensive issues behind him, it sounds like. Uh, four walks, three strikeouts. Um, yeah. Just one of those guys. You know, everybody, there's always guys who have the cup of coffee. He can at least tell his kids and his family that he pitched in the major leagues. So good for you, Aaron Sheffer. Enjoy your 44th birthday. The last Mariners player who's celebrating a birthday today is Jeff Hewson. Uh, Jeff is celebrating his 55th birthday. He had himself an accomplished 12-year career. He was primarily a utility infielder. Uh, He played for a bunch of different teams, but he spent the 1998 season in his age 33 season with the Seattle Mariners. He only appeared in 31 games for the team. He had one home run, four RBIs, one stolen base. He hit 163, so pretty clearly not a great fit for him here in Seattle. Uh, He was much better the next year with the Angels, and then he finished off his career with the Cubs in 2000. You know, another one of those guys. Mariners love their utility infielders. Uh, didn't, Didn't pan out for Houston here in Seattle, but... You know, it happens. Happy 55th birthday to Jeff Huson. The final one is this guy never actually played for the Mariners, but he served as their hitting coach for a while. He was their head coach in AAA Tacoma for a little bit. Uh, and then he was their third base coach, I believe, last year. And that's Scott Brocious. So Scott Brocious is turning 53 today. Uh, Brocious came up with the Oakland A's. He spent seven years with them. Uh, then he spent four years with the Yankees. He was an all-star and a gold glove winner. He was also a postseason hero. He hit one of the most uh, famous home runs in Yankees history. Uh, but Brocious is from Oregon. Uh, he's from Rex Putnam High School in Milwaukee. He went to Linfield College in McMinnville, which is the same college as my wife. Uh, he also was a coach there for a while. I think he coached there for eight or nine years as their head coach. And he was coaching there when the Mariners hired him and brought him in to coach over uh, in Tacoma. And like I said, he came up and was a hitting coach for them for a while. I don't think he's still doing that. I'm not actually sure where he is nowadays. But a guy had a very accomplished career, good coach from around the area, spent a little time with the Mariners. So thought thought we'd celebrate him a little bit today as well. So happy 53rd birthday to Scott Brocious. On tomorrow's podcast, I will recap tonight's series finale against the Detroit Tigers, and we will have our first StatCast Friday segment, where I will do a deep dive on someone on the Mariners using advanced stats. Once again, I'm Andy Patton. You can find me on Twitter at AndyPattonSEA. You can find the Locked On Mariners podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and go Mariners!